The Empire cracks down on its citizens. Mon Mothma recruits a new ally. Cassian gets into trouble and more as the Sky Guys are back to recap episode 7 of Andor. We are back here on the Sky Guys, recapping Episode 7 of Andor, entitled The Announcement. There was a big announcement from the Imperial Security Bureau, so we'll go through all that. I'm one of the hosts here, Mike Phillips. Joining me today, as always, the man whose voice you hear in the narration every single week, Pecan Stories here. Pete, how are you? Doing well, doing well. Episode 7, um, another Sky Guys episode, so I'm always happy to be here when we're talking Star Wars and talking with you guys. Um you're very excited to see what you guys thought of this of this uh, new episode here. Yeah, jam packed today, Pete. Jam packed. Yeah. Also with us today, the head of the Bureau of Standards of this podcast, Nick Fred is here. Nick, how are you? Doing great. I am pumped to talk about this one. I am really excited to get into it. That's uh, all I have to say. Absolutely here. And also joining our dinner party today, we talked to him in the off season about some uh, fall, Jedi Fallen Order. Nick D'Alessio is here. Nick, how are you? I'm good. I'm uh I'm happy I've been promoted to the AAA, the minor league team now. So I'm hoping uh hoping I get a good a good shot here going on to the majors. So yeah, Nick is confused. Nick's a little confused right now about the reference, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> How are we gonna refer to one another? How are you oh, gonna, yeah. are you gonna gonna, call me Nick? Are you gonna call him Nick? What are you gonna do? I'm gonna go with the Lesio and Ferrada. All right. Cool. Just said that like when we have the mics, you also have that problem. So Luckily, there's no more Pete's right now in this podcast. That would be cool. They were the one and only. Yeah, the one and only Pete. And speaking of the one and only Pete here, you can tell you all at home, like, if you want to subscribe to the Sky Guys podcast, you can check us out on Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. You want access to the podcast day after you record, get on this podcast. You probably just on the suffering. You're waiting a couple of days, so make sure you do that. Yeah, absolutely. We say it every week. Uh, I see Nick, the recovery room Nick, is uh, subscribed. I know Nick Freya is subscribed as well. I am. Uh, just you got to subscribe. You, you, you have to do it not only for us, but for yourselves. You get the the early access. Yeah, you get early access. And and Nick Freya, if people want to follow us on the Instagram, how can you do that? On Instagram, our first meme in a while just went up. And there's going to be a lot more coming. Yep. Sky Guys podcast on Instagram. A lot of fun there as well. And Nick D, just so you know, like we are watching on the YouTube page as well. Mike Phillips on YouTube. See the video version of the podcast here, all the fancy graphics stuff. Always a lot of fun to check out the video of the four of us hanging out here. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited to see the the graphics live because I always listen on Spotify, so I don't ever get to see the graphics. So I'm excited to see what that looks like. Absolutely here. And and Nick Frietta, there is no Star Wars news this week to cover, so I think we're just going to you know, get ready for the episode this yep. point. The only thing we have to say is next week we have the Tales of the Jedi coming out, but we all knew that, so that's it. Absolutely here. Let's get into this episode because there's so, so, so much going on here. And Nick D, I feel like I was telling Nick Frietta this off the air. I'll go, go to you as well. I feel like all of this character work we did, these first episodes, getting to know all these different characters, this really paid off with this episode. Yeah, it um, because it's at a point now where it can throw a ton of stuff at you, and you're not like being introduced to 
like, oh, who is this person? What is it? What's their deal? Like everything is allowed to just kind of happen now. So it was definitely worth it. It was definitely worth it here. And Pete, so many different storylines to go to. Do you have any sort of preference where we start? Not really. Um, I mean, there's just so much. I'll talk about this a little later too. There's so much and so little that happens in my opinion. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll start wherever, if you want to go chronologically and just hit those story points, or if you want to jump around, uh, whatever, wherever you want to start. I mean, let's, if you want, let's, let's stick with the rundown. Let's go with Karn. Let's start with him. Yeah. We start and end the episode with Karn. I think it was an interesting choice because Nick Fred, I mean, we start off with Karn. I mean, he's talking to like his mom about his job interview. He's and uncle, Har- uncle Harley found out his poll with the bureau of standards. We see him go for this interview. He's wearing a Brown suit. He gets the job. I think, what'd you think about this whole, uh, Karn basically restarting his career here? I think it screams redemption arc. I I really do. I think there's like no way in the world that he doesn't help Cassian at some point in this show. But I like the idea of the Bureau of Standards. Do you think it's a coincidence that it stands for, that the initials are BS? I don't. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be like a BS like job yeah. where they have importance in the Empire, but it's just busy work for the most part. Seems like what they do. And it's a cool building in there. It really was. Yeah, it definitely was here. And Pete, like, I thought it was interesting seeing, like, you know, like, the first time it started seeing people wearing ties, and then we get basically, you know, like, these are just people in their cubicles just doing nothing. I did like the end of the episode where we see they, the shot where you slowly pan out to all the people just kind of just doing their one thing and the slow zoom out on all the cubicles, that made me laugh at the end of it. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, this is the size Star Wars that we've been, well, Nick's been looking for, but that we all were kind of wondering what was, right, the, the common folk. And, and I think this nine-to-five cubicle setting is probably where Karn's going to be for the rest of this this season. And, you know, like Nick said, the redemption arc, you know, he, he, he'll be involved, but I think it's just, you're going to kind of see him drag along this nine to five job for at least another two episodes. Uh, but it was cool to see. It was, it was definitely a, a cool uh, little arc that he had. Yeah. That's Nick- something I lose sight of a lot. I, I, I lose sight of the fact that this is not just a season. Like, it's not like there's five episodes left and the show's over. We're guaranteed a second. I know that that's what they said, right? Only two, right? Yeah, only two. There's 17 episodes. But you never know. It could be more. I imagine it's going to only be two. But, like, for all, you know, I think in my mind, like, oh, we only have five episodes left. If you're going to do a redemption arc, it means it has to happen. Like, it doesn't have to happen now. It can happen next season. Yeah, it certainly can. And Nick D, what do you think about the speech that uh, Karin gives to the interviewer when, talk, yeah, when he basically looks at the rest of it, like, oh, you went to, you worked at Primor on, like, on Moldara, on Moldara 1. He basically goes the whole spiel about, like, hey, I was trying to uphold the law. I was trying to maintain order. That did not work out. I'm trying to redeem myself here. What do you think it was, like, how he was just so upfront with his potential new employer about what happened and how, why he's out of job? Yeah, I, it's funny. I think he, uh, it's it almost seemed unnecessary. His The guy that was, like, holding the, the tablet, he was kind of just like, okay, uh, so we're just going to wipe all that because none of that matters here because uh, I think it's, Clearly, Karn is trying to prove himself. He's trying to be like, see, like I was trying to do the right thing. But I think as far as the employer goes, I think he's just kind of like, cool. You're uh, you're going to be the guy that does weights and measures and stuff for like the gal. You're going to check the fuel lines now. Like none of that kind of really mattered. But they obviously do have some power because they were able to wipe his record clean. And so I think that's maybe setting Karn up to 
have potentially some power to do something. You know, I'm not sure what that's going to be, whether it's wiping Cassian's record or doing something else, but I think he's set up to be in position now to actually do something. Yeah, and before I move on from Karn here, I do think it's interesting that, like, you spend so much time, like, on the season with this character who we could have easily just left in the dust after, like, his premiere arc where he is a complete stooge, he gets a whole mess in, Primor makes it so far worse, he can get fired, like, the fact that we're sticking with him, I mean, that he has significant importance in this story, in my opinion, like, do you feel like that this is something we're gonna pay off in season, end of season one, I think he's, like, with us the whole way through here. I'm going to put it to you this way, and I don't want to I don't want to go through season rank, whatever episodes ranking yet and everything like that. But this show has has been really nice and really boring at the same time to me. And I don't know if there's going to be a huge payoff for this uh, for this character. I hope there is. I, I hope that they go in the right direction. and They do that. But but everything since episode three has kind of been a little lackluster for my taste. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that we're building this up to have some sort of impactful decision made or some some impact in the in the season but if it's just built up to be like okay just wipe the record clean we're even and then he walks away i just i feel like that build up would be for nothing yeah we'll put a pin in uh in car and little nick was it night you nick Frey, you're seeing his mother again Fred, I'm talking do you not do you not hear me you, you did not come back and come back in clearly enough oh i said uh i said yeah i love seeing the mother she's a great character i love to see more of her i think she's a great character that's all, right. all i said all right, that sounds good to me. Let's go ahead to uh, the ISB here, Nick. We get to see their meat reaction, Nick D'Alessio, to what's going on with the Aldani heist. We have the big meeting here. We get Colonel Yalaren shows up. He is, uh, people aren't familiar, he was a big character in the original movie. He gets his role expanded significantly in Clone Wars and Rebels, and he's holding the meat of the ISB. Talk about the Imperial response to Aldani situation. It says, okay, we're going to, you know, raise the taxes, anybody who's supporting rebels, and we're going to, you know, the Emperor is passing some bills in the emergency side of the Senate where we're going to crack down on rebel-related crimes. The penalties are going way up here. So what do you think about what we saw in the ISB in this meeting? Yeah, I think uh, I, I I like that scene because a lot of the times through when we're watching Star Wars through the lens of, you know, the good guys, the Empire always kind of looks dumb you know they look like they mess up a lot they look like they can't do anything right so when you see this it's they don't like looking like that you know they don't like and clearly uh they're upset that this happened uh we finally get a palpatine mention so clearly he's he's not happy uh the fact that he's not happy he related and now um you know this is really falling right into the hands of what what they wanted you know they want the they want the empire to do this they want them to flex their muscle they want them to show everybody that they're not actually the good guys because they've been kind of doing things slowly like a slow oppression and now it's like gloves are off we're gonna just anybody who's against us we're taking you out and i think you see that happening now yeah, go ahead, Nick Fry out of here as well, too. I do think it's interesting that we see that meeting, and then right afterwards, we see that Deidre basically goes and talks with one of her one of her underlings and says, you know, like, we're doing this incorrectly. Like, this is exactly what they want. This isn't this is not a heist. This is an announcement there's that they're here and they're and the rebels are gonna be a problem for it. I did think it was interesting that this is a very big episode for Deidre. I think she's a MVP caliber character yeah. in this episode. And in the show in general, but in this episode especially, she Pretty much 
had been a conspiracy theorist the last couple episodes in their mind. And now it's like, oh, maybe she was right. And everything's coming together and all her little theories turn out to be true. Where they look at her now as in she might ha- she might be onto something. And everyone's getting jealous and, you know, good for her. Yeah, and Pete, it was interesting because we see that she just quietly goes to ask a security people or that person, like, hey, like, I want all this sector data. Like, can you discreetly get it to me? And then Blevin calls her out for it at the meeting, like our favorite guy, Blevin. And then she basically points out, like, hey, like, I figured out here what the rebels are doing. And basically, they're they're stealing money from one sector, using it to find Timmy's another. And, like, we're being extremely dumb because the rebels don't care where our lines are on the map and who controls what. They're just going to do whatever they want and just move the money around and make their move. So very good job on Deidre and cracking what the rebels were up to here. Well, 100%. And I also think this sets up a nice internal conflict, um, you know, in the ISP. I think I think this is going to be something that's going to be explored uh, not only this season, but maybe next season as well. Um, but I think we got a little taste of, you know, even even that one, I can't remember his name, but he's one of the maesters in Game of Thrones. Um, he was just like, yeah, watch your back. Like, he just automatically, once he helped her out, um, he was like, yep, just watch your back. And Deidre's like, oh, okay. You know, and you just kind of see that on her face that like, okay, this is something that internally is going to be happening now. Yeah, Major Partagras, who we saw earlier in the, in the season, basically kind of say, hey, I, you're onto something, but be careful. Like, he's telling her again, hey, okay, like, you have good instincts and you're right, but like you're pissed off that whole room. So that'd become like, they're going to have knives out coming for you. And anything else you want to get to in the ISB, uh, Nick Friday before we uh, go ahead here. Cause I did think your guy Blevin like looked like an idiot when he did that. Your, your Nick, your audio is like a little wacky again. It's a little delay. Yeah, on, I'm, on mute. I'm not sure what to do with that. Maybe just, just so you know, just like a little, Behind the scenes for everyone listening to the podcast, Nick's fine on my end, Mike. So just to give you a heads up, he's not coming through on my end. I don't know what's going on with that. So, Nick D, do I sound all right to you? Like the first couple of, like your box lights up like you're saying something, but the first bit gets cut off for me. That's so right. bizarre because I can hear you. I can hear you fine, Nick. Here, uh, you, why, don't, why don't you guys move on? I'll drop out and I'll come right back. Yeah. So, like, he, right now, basically, like, what happened is he's like having some technical issues. He's going to drop out, come back in here, and. Uh, Nick D, what did you think of Mr. Blevin here? Because, like, we're not big fans of his after what was going on with the episodes. Like, it's sort of like how, like, how much of a douche he was when he first shows up. Like, Blevin basically trying here to just, like, drag Deidre and say, look, she's going behind our back. She's trying to, con like, conrade promotion. And the way he looked like an idiot there, I thought was was very funny. Yeah, uh, because initially he was right. Yeah. You know, like, she was overstepping her bounds. But, uh they made it pretty clear that Palpatine's, you know, as soon as he can like go to the Senate and like inst- put some bills in place, he's probably like, Ooh, I can do this now. Cause you know, he, he loves being a politician, but like he put things into place now where ISB has total control. They can do whatever they want now. So she's no longer overstepping her bounds. Maybe she's doing a little bit of a gray area, unwritten rules kind of thing. Like you shouldn't make your fellow officers look bad, but she wasn't going to bring it up at that meeting. He did. So by him bringing it up at that meeting, he kind of tried to be all like, ooh, look at me. I'm calling her out again. And it totally backfired on him that time. So, Yeah, that's for sure here. And I think we should go on, I think, to Luthen's storyline because Luthen has a lot of stuff going on this episode. I mean, we do get a scene, Pete, where, like, Mon Mothma shows up. She returns the item that, like, she was looking for originally for Perrin. They had a coded conversation. I did like how we cut, basically, between, like, the back room view – 
the view outside where the driver's just standing there, can't hear what's going on in the shop. But we basically had Mon Mappa saying, hey, like, did you pull off Aldani? Like, do you know what you did? Like, how much harm is going to cause? He's like, I know exactly what I'm doing here. I want the Empire to create issues here. And, like, you, like people are not going to care unless the Empire screws them more. So, like, if we get them to, like, overreact, start freaking out and, like, squashing people's liberties, we're going to get them to, you know, come to our side. So what do you think about Luthen's perspective here? Yeah, I think this is probably one of the maybe maybe my one favorite scene of the uh, of the episode. I think it was very powerful. I think Luthen has a point that kind of doesn't get made in Star Wars. You know, not not to say that Star Wars is superficial and say, oh, the good guy is going to win. And this is more of like a reality check. Like, listen, if we don't do something and people don't get, you know, if if we don't do something, then we're all going to get hurt. If we don't hurt people along the way to get to the greater good you know, almost like the ends justify the means here, then what's the point of this rebellion? And I think this was like a harsh reality and a, and like I said, a reality check to my moth, but like, Hey, you can't help everyone. People are going to get hurt. People are going to die. This is going to happen if you believe in the rebellion. Um, so I, I think it was probably the most powerful scene in the episode. Yeah. Nick Fran, what'd you think about uh, the Luthen angle here? I thought Luthen had a very like interesting episode here with this because like my moth was like, Oh, like, you know, like, why like you guys think we're careful? He's like, no, I don't. Like he's like, these people are too comfortable. You gotta get them a little uncomfortable to like actually for a little change. How do I sound now? Great, great. Um, so I, yeah, I enjoy this a lot. I think it 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 almost teaches my mouth my lesson. I think that's kind of what Pete said. Where her idea of this whole rebellion is to do it slowly in the shadows, get some funding, take your time, and Luthen's like. No, it's it's time. Like we're ready, and we're ready to start making moves. And I don't think Mon Moth is ready for that yet. And I think now she understands. Yeah, it's, it's time to go, if you will. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get. And I I enjoy that a lot about this because you see how different people are maybe interested in the same cause, but have different opinions on how to get there, which we've seen before, in especially like in Rogue One, how um, Saw is like basically you know ruthless. He'll do anything for it, and then. You have people like Cassian and Mon Mothma at that point who like do not respect Saw because of the way he goes about his business. So you see how there's different people who have the same goal, but they take it out in a different way. Yeah, Nick D, what'd you think also of sort of seeing the whole like angle here that uh, Mon Mothma points out in, in terms of like the whole scenario where they're trying to discuss working arrangements here and Mon Mothma's like, I'm working through the Senate. I have like stuff going on here. And sort of, you know, as Nick is saying, just look at like, hey, like I like do you have a network. I have a network like the time has come now. Like we can't keep waiting on this. And now it's time to start making moves. Yeah, well, I I guess was it clear before? I thought she knew what they were planning, but I guess clearly she had no idea that they were doing that because. I know she was saying how she has she's trying to get access to her money, which she brings up again later on the episode. But I guess I thought she knew what was going on. So when when you see her reaction to like did you do this were you a part of this it's kind of like it's 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 showing how she's now becoming the mon mothma that we know in like when the rebels are at their highest and she even says something later on in the episode at the dinner party where uh she's like i'm taking a page out of palpatine's book you know like i'm gonna mess up her line but she says something like i show them the stone they don't realize that i have the knife at their neck kind of thing i think she's realizing now like okay I can't do this the bureaucratic way. I can't do this the way that I think it needs to be done. Like this is a realization for her. If this is going to happen, it's not going to be pretty. Yeah. 
And Pete, it's like it's like her way of doing it is like I'm I'm just going to be a nuisance to the empire with funding and charity events, and they'll think I'm annoying, sure, but I'm really working under their nose. So I'm showing them the stone. I'm being annoying, but I'm they're not going to realize that I'm doing that. You know what I mean? That's exactly what she means by that. And what's the thing I really appreciate about this scene is that Luthen's shop has some new new goodies in it. Yeah. You would think they just fill it with goodies, leave it alone, no one touches it. You, just, you film a couple scenes in that thing, and you just start, scene's over, we're done with this room now, you know? But they changed it, and they put a Jedi Temple Guard helmet in there. So he's still collecting. He's either still collecting, or he, maybe he has, like, a rotating Spoiler. thing. I don't know, but... but uh, it looked like it looked like this. It, it's just cool that, that they updated. That's all. Yeah, and Pete, I think the, that scene Nick, Nick D brought up an interesting point here in terms of like my mouth not knowing that Luthen was pulling this thing on Aldani here at the whole heist scenario here. I thought, the interesting is that like we're raising stuff here. Like we kind of thought that Roken was gonna be our guy to sort of be the foundational like uh, rebel member and Obi Wan, and Luthen sort of is that guy here where he's basically has all these things going on here, has his whole network of different connections. Nobody knows too much information. Luthen is really the head of the whole snake. I also think he's probably playing his cards close to the vest, if you will, because she is a senator. And I don't know how much Luthen actually trusts her. And I think he, this kind of play and this aggressiveness is to show Mon Mothma, a senator, we're not messing around. So you're either behind us or you're not. So I don't think he wanted Mon Mothma knowing what was going on because, God forbid, this got out to the Senate. God forbid she was a double agent, if you will. Um, it's a smart play by Luthen. I mean, it's it's it it makes sense. It does make sense. And another angle of Luthen's here we see is that we see apparently another person is network. We don't get her name, but she's moving along Coruscant. We do find out she meets Vel down the lower levels, and she gets basically gives Vel orders from Luthen, like eliminate Cassie and Andor. Like he knows too much. Like he's not a loose end right now. We gotta get, wipe him out before he reveals too much of the plan here. So Nick D, like. What did you think about this here? Because it's something Nick Fred had realized last week that Luthen is going to have to be antagonistic, antagonistic Cassian at this point of the show. That's basically what we got here. But was that that woman that, you know, you watched the whole sequence of her walking around, which she was sent by Luthen? Was that? Yeah. Was is, that not, is that not his assistant? Oh, I, yeah, I thought that was the woman from the shop. I was, oh, so did I. She, she was, I was there thrown by the wigs, basically. So, yeah, okay. I think it is. The, I think it is the woman from the shop, but it's supposed to be not obvious that it's her. Yeah, I think she's okay. in disguise. So basically, like she goes, she goes and get, relays the message to Vel. Basically, says like, you know, like you have your orders. Like, like eliminate like uh, a Clem who like you know is Clem is Cassie Andor. Like, get rid of him because he knows who Lufin is, and we can't have that information flowing around. He's not fully on our side. So, I just think about this this, this uh, setup here because now it gives us an interesting way to keep Vel in the storyline. Yeah, and you know, Vel almost seems a little bit like she's like, are we sure we need to do this? Because she, you know, she was on the ground with Cassian. So she, I think she knows that he's not a problem necessarily, but maybe the, the issue isn't him being the problem. Maybe it's somebody else getting to him. Um, but I, I, I'm not sure what Vel's going to do with that. Actually, I almost didn't even recognize her too. I was like, oh, who is this person? Cause I, you've never seen her, you know, showered and clean, yeah, <laughs> like, sure. you know, but uh, yeah, she, she seems a little bit hesitant. Like she almost is like, I don't know if we need to do this. Um, but I guess it makes sense. Uh, you see Luthen in previous episodes being like, I shouldn't have brought somebody new in, you know, this, I shouldn't have done that. So clearly he's regretting it. Uh, I hopefully uh, jump, jumping ahead a bit when, uh, Cassian sees Bix, 
And he's like, if you, t- if you talk to Luthen again, tell him, you know, he doesn't have to worry about me. I almost wonder if that message is going to get back to Luthen. And now he's going to have another moment of like, oh, did I do the wrong thing again? Uh, I mean, it makes sense. They have to tie up the loose end, right? So. Yeah, P. I mean, it makes sense. Considering where we see Cassie in a few years and like how he operates, like you clearly see that he's taking the Luthen style. Like, you know, like this guy's a loose end. I got to get rid of him when his contact is going to be flaky here. And like Luthen's like, you know, I can't trust Cassie. I got to get rid of him because like this dude like, knows way too much information. Yeah, I mean, this is also someone that he brought on, right? It's just, it's kind of a, it's ironic, really, that that this is the kind of the path that uh, Cassian's going to face. He gets brought on to do a job, does the job, takes only his cut, doesn't screw Luthen over, and now someone's out to pretty much get him. Um, and it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that Cassian takes on this kind of approach because because Luthen has this same approach. Maybe this is where he learns it, like you'd said. Yeah, and Nick Fred, I also want to mention here before we move on from the Luthen storyline here that we do get a couple of shots of Cinta sort of like cleaning up around Aldani and getting out of there. Do you think this is the last we see her? I think she showed up again. You know, I I, I don't know. I, really, I, I would imagine we see her again, otherwise they probably wouldn't have showed her. Yeah. Or are they just showing her to show that she's still alive and then it's like, oh, she's good? It's an interesting question uh, because they... Know. They did establish last week that she was in a relationship with Vel, so you wonder if they're going to re- re- re-link up at some point. Maybe they'll team up to find Cassian. Yeah. Can we also make an agreement that we refer to him as Cassian, not Andor? Yeah. I feel like it sounds so much better. Yeah, I mean, it, it's confusing when Andor is the show title. Yes. Thank you. All right. We'll get to Cassian's storyline in May here, but I do want to continue on a little bit further here. Let's go to... The Mon Mothma dinner party. And Nick, you finally got your dinner. Nick Freda. I did. I didn't get slime more, but I got the dinner. No Bosk either. No Bosk. Yeah, Bosk will be there next episode. <laughs> but yeah, we finally got the dinner and I think it lived up fully. Yeah. This is the dinner we were talking about earlier in the like early in the season. We saw this here. And I think it's interesting that here, Pete, we do see that. Mon Mothma has a conversation with uh, with her old friend Tay Colma. Basically, that he was the one she was referring to back in episode four. He's talking to Luthen about like, oh, okay, like I have something I want to bring and help me manage my money. And then the way this conversation was handled, how they're flowing from room to room, she was saying, oh, like smile, do this, do that. And she's like occasionally saying like, I'm doing more than you think I'm doing. Like I need your help with this project. I thought it was very fun seeing how she handled this. Yeah, um, I also like his character pretty much telling her, don't trust me because now I'm wrapped into politics too. Um, that he was that open, and I'm sure we'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, I think the dinner party kind of delivered. You see that kind of hate towards or distrust towards Mon Mothma for the rest of the crew that's there, and she only has that kind of one person. You still see that like, you know, teenage mentality from her daughter who's like you know dad asked me to to ask you if i could be excused and stuff like that she just doesn't want to be there so she doesn't even feel like she has her own family in her court so they definitely do a good job setting setting the background that she's alone in pretty much all of this especially with luthan she's uh, my feeling is if if she can't get the money to luthan that luthan wants luthan's going to be after her too because then it's another loose end he has to tie it you know tie up so it's it's she's technically alone in all this she really is. Yeah, Nick D, what did you think of uh, Take Homa, uh, Mon Mothma's childhood friend, who she is roping into this uh, endeavor she has? Yeah, it's funny. So I think you see Mon Mothma take another page from Luthen in this, where uh, you know she was left in the dark with this whole with this whole heist that happened, 
So I think she realizes if I kind of have to do the same thing, like, you know, when she's talking to him, she's like, I can't tell you what it is that I'm planning, but like, it's something and it'd be better if you don't know. Uh, and it's, it's funny to see the table turn where he was kind of like, Oh, I'm, I'm into some political stuff. You're not gonna want me to be involved. And she flips it around and she's like, no, 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 no. I'm into some weird things right now. Trust me, but like, I need your help kind of thing. So it's, I, I think that, I don't know if it's going to work out. I think cause she's hoping that he can give her access to the money and I don't think it's going to work out. And I think this just could be another lesson for Mothma to learn. Like, okay, we can't do things the easy way. It's, this is going to be a difficult thing moving forward. Hey, Nick Fry, did you get the, you get the read. We can't, we can't trust take home here. Um, I didn't, I think he's going to be, tr- I think he's trustworthy, but he's going to die. But I do like how no one can be trusted, it seems like. Like, she even says to him, don't tell my husband. You know, which we knew already. We knew the husband was not on the same political side as 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 Mon. Sounds weird to say, call her Mon. But Mon Mothma. <laughs> but we, we knew that was a thing. But to see it actually play out like that, where there's so much going on with this empire rule that you can't even talk to your husband about things you're planning because it's so everyone's so against each other at this point in time. I find that really interesting. Yeah. And feels like interesting how she was talking about, you know, like, Oh, like my drivers and ISP plant, they, they say, I'm like working on separatist causes. They bring back the term from the clone wars to sort of say, it's like sort of like ostracize her from the rest of the Senate community. Where it's like, Oh, like she's doing all these little things that sort of are annoyances and like, no really wants to deal with her is like she made a good point in her speech that Nick pointed out early, Nick Fred pointed out is like, hey, I'm the stone that like they know that I'm being a nuisance, but they have no idea they're gonna come slit their throats and put the knife to their necks. So I thought that was also very fun. It was, but it's almost like an empty threat. I mean, let's think about Mon Mothma's contr- contribution to the rebellion. What has it been so far? Money. But has it? I mean, she hasn't been able to access her accounts to get the money. So what has her contri- contribution been other than maybe advising? Well, I think she so, was able to get money initially, right? Okay. And then I think they started so, tying it up, and then that's when they had to plan the heist. I got think. It. So, so, so even if it's just a little bit of money, I mean, it, she's not really doing anything with the, you know. Yes, I understand what the metaphor is, but like, I just, I feel like it's an empty threat. I think it's, it's like a persona that she's trying to fulfill, and it's not going to work out to the way she thinks it's going to. So basically, you think that she's trying to play Luffy, but she doesn't have Luffy's skill set. Not even just skill set. I just she all she is is the is the purse for the lack of a better term. Yeah. What exactly is she? She's not making any movement in the Senate because no one will listen to her. She has zero pull. She has zero support with her own family or the Senate. All she has is here's a few hundred credits. Go do something for me. So I I, I agree where with the statement that she makes and she's a part of it and she's funding it. But if she can't get her money, what 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 is that? what is that saying going to do? She's that's an empty persona because she literally only has Luthen. And if Luthen turns on her, she's done. Yeah. So right now, and we, we know that she's a big part of the rebellion just from what we see in star Wars, right? I mean, this is not uh unknown knowledge, but it, it's almost like she's trying to convince herself of it. Not that it's actually true. Yeah. Nick Frey, I do think it was interesting that like when she has a conversation with Tay Hall, I basically says that, only three people in the entire galaxy know what I am doing behind the scenes here, basically. And we know basically the two of them right now are Luthen and Luthen's assistant, based on the conversation in the shop here. Are we just to believe that the third is Bail Organa? Or is the third her? 
No, she said three or people. Bail. Three people. Three people. Is she including herself? No, she said three people know what I am doing. I would assume that Bale is a third. Uh, I guess so. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was in that meeting in the deleted scene in three. I guess the power that she brings, though, is not that hasn't been spoken of is, because we know this to be true, is her ability to bring together the rebel cells. Yeah. All the different rebel cells exist right now, and it's her job, or her, not her job, it's what she's the one who brings them all together. That's what she ends up doing. So that's what she does, I guess. It finds a way to unify them. Yeah, because right now Luthit has built the network, but like they they're all also operating independently right now. Yeah, and then you also have I mean we'll see him at some point. We have Saw too. Who knows what like he's up to. Yeah. Yeah, Saw's doing his own thing. We know that the uh rebels from Star Wars Rebels are doing their own thing. Like there's a lot of stuff going on here. Yeah, I actually saw that um the heist on Aldani last week took place at the same time as some episode in season two of Rebels. Yeah. It was like, they, I don't know how they figured this out or if they just said, yeah, that's how it was. I don't know if there's any like evidence to support that or if they just said that's what it is. But yes, that's an interesting fact. Interesting fact here. I think that's a sort of a good wrap on the Mon Mapa storyline here. Let's go to Cassian here and Nick D., like, felt a little weird to go 17 minutes into Andor without seeing Cassian at all. Well, I guess that's to what you were saying at the start of this, where all the character building that's been done is finally paying off now, because you can go 17 minutes, and when Cassian shows up, you're like, oh, yeah, that's right, Cassian. Uh, but he's, I mean, if you think, like, if the the height, everything just went down, he took his credits and he left, so you don't need to jump to him right away because you know he's going somewhere. So by the time we catch up and see where he went, you know, I think spacing wise, it feels, it feels like it was actually a good amount of time before he was introduced. Yeah. And Nick, Fry, we see he, do, he does go back home and goes back to Farrix, pick up his mom and the droid and say, you know, like, we're going to leave. I got a bunch of credits. We're going to go like relocate somewhere safe and like get away from the empire here. I do think this is an interesting sort of like idea he had where like we talked about at the beginning of the series, like, Oh, like, He's not a guy who wants to like be involved in rebellion. He wants to just like protect his own protect his own skin and run away from the problems. So, like we're sort of seeing like the oh like what if Han Solo took the money in Episode Four and ran away? True, true. I guess it's everyone's dream though. If you're in that kind of neighborhood, live in a ghetto, you live in the slums in the Star Wars world. Your dream is to get out. Yeah. And he wanted to. I guess that was more about helping his mother than it was about helping himself. I think. Yeah. And. You know, the the classic, she says yes, and then says, oh, I don't know. That, you knew that was going to happen, and then she doesn't want to leave, and then he's stuck with her there trying to figure out, why not? Let's just go. What are you doing? Like, you know, but that's what I took away from it, is that it was more about him trying to help her and how he's becoming more, or excuse me, less selfish, more selfless. Yeah, speaking of the vein of becoming more selfless, like he goes to check in Pete with Bix, where he find he find after his mother tells him, "Oh, Tim turned you in." Now he, don't worry about him, but he's dead. And Bix like got got caught in the crossfire. He goes to see Bix, and Bix basically wants nothing to do with him. And you have this whole tense conversation where he basically pays her back, says, "Here, pay everybody all, all my money to." And like if you talk to Luthen, just like let him know I didn't screw him. So I do think it was interesting how this sort of ended. I mean, I said this in the beginning. She only has herself to blame. She was the one sneaking around, making Tim with two M's think something was going on. She was the one that was acting all weird. Tim got drunk, ran him out, got himself shot, right? I mean, that, and, and also, too, 
Tim didn't listen to the whoever they were, the I, you know, ISB guys and um got himself shot too, but he's not to blame. He defended himself, you know, in that first planet, wound up two officers dead. He was on the run. He said, I just need to get out, you know, whatever. And it turned into all of this. It was her fault. It was her fault that Tim is dead, in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, I guess you need to have some sort of tension between Cassian and and the people around him to, to make the show interesting. And I think that this was an obvious choice by the writers to have Bix have some sort of, I don't know, some anger toward him or, or just kind of just be done with him. Yeah, that's for sure here. And Nick D, we also see in the, in the morning, he goes back to his mom and his mom basically tries to say like, hey, like, I'm not leaving. Like, let's stand up to the empire. Like, it's time to get involved in rebellion. I'm too old. Basically says I'm too old for this shit. Like, I need to get something going on here. And I do think it was interesting here that like, she basically tells tells him all the beans. Like, you know, like you need to like, let go of your sister. Everyone on your planet died. It was not your fault. Like, all this stuff, basically trying to push him in the right direction. He's not receptive yet. It's interesting too, because... I don't think he makes it clear to her how he got the money. So it's funny. The thing that he did to get her off the planet and help her was the thing that made her want to stay. You know, it was interesting that he's thinking, he's thinking like, I did this so I can get all this money and not knowing that he was the spark that's going to ignite the whole thing. Uh, And, you know, it's, it's, it was good for a character thing for his mother to, just she doesn't want to do it anymore. She doesn't want to run anymore. She's like, I'd, I'm, I'm too old for this. You, they, they cut to the flashback of Clem, who you now we know where he got the name from, uh, and just all the things that she's gone through. And she's mentions how she was walking down the street and she avoided the street where he was hanged. And finally, she walked down that street and she had a smile on her face because, like, finally, people are standing up to this. So it's, I think you're seeing now two instances of Cassian going home. And he's maybe he shouldn't have, or if he was, he should realize he's a part of something bigger, and he's just he's not there yet. Yeah, Pete, what you about these flashbacks? You call Leslie, we get more flashbacks. We see a couple of like young Cassian with Clem, like they're on Ferrex, basically just like watching a procession of clone troopers, and he tries to stop some hooligans who are throwing rocks at the clones, then basically gets caught in the crossfire, and then gets killed and hanged. And we see Cassian trying to get revenge on these uh, clone troopers here. So what do you think about these flashbacks? I think they're important to the show. I think these flashbacks are actually done correctly. Um, you know, I, I love to compare it to the book of Boba Fett, but those flashbacks were not done correctly. So I, it's, it's refreshing to see that they are working with this storyline in a way that benefits the character's growth without the present timeline character growing. You can see where all this is coming from. Um, and, and just the cinematography and the writing of it is just phenomenal. So it, it, it works very well. And I think it's important to the scene and to the, to the season and seasons to come um, that these flashbacks continue because it's done right. If it was, if it was over the top or if it was just like, you know, terribly done, then I would, I would be disagreeing with it. Yeah. Nick Fred, you got clone troopers basically like the, this is the latest we actually seen them in action. I think I, in the proper like live action timeline. We did. We did. Um, so my understanding is that the clone troopers stick with the Empire throughout the original trilogy, and by that point, they're mentors and training stormtroopers. Yeah, because they're a little too old. We see in Kenobi, you know, you see a clone trooper in Kenobi; he's on the older side. But that not all, not all clones are the same age. Remember that. I remember in Attack of the Clones, some of them were 
infants at the time. Yeah. yeah. So some of them would be younger, but yeah. So we knew the storm, the clone troopers. Well, that that timeline, <clears throat> based on some math, based on like what I've seen on when this takes place and how many years ago it was and stuff. That scene is two years after Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, so at that point, they still have clone troopers around. They haven't. Oh, definitely, yeah, and they still have them around in the time of Episode Four. But like at that point, it's like all clone troopers. And like, I mean, you can't tell me that scene does not. I don't want to say the word. I don't think you're allowed to say it on the internet nowadays. I've I've heard this. I don't. I think it's very weird. But World War Two. Yeah, that's a thousand percent. Like what that vibe was as they were walking the streets the way they were walking the streets. You know. Yeah. Definitely made some sense here as well. And then we also see here that when Cassian's mom decides to stay put, when Marva says, I'm staying here, you should like join the rebellion, that Cassian instead decides to cut and run, and he ends up going to do the, I'm going to go get away to a beach thing. He goes to a planet called Niamos, the beach planet. Uh, Nick D, we see, basically hooks up with someone, gets drunk, and, like, he's stealing credits from them. So, like, like not, like, like, this just feels like this would be like the Han Solo movie. Han Solo decided to not save Luke. Well, was he stealing credits from her, or was he... I didn't think so? I, think I thought that, that was, was his stash. I thought that was his place. I thought, yeah. Like, I th- I mean, he has, so I guess he has a place there. He just took some credits. He's gonna go out and shopping. Yeah, That's or what I think, or if that wasn't his place, clearly he has a hiding spot for his credits. But um, I, I either way, it's uh, it kind of just shows you how he's just not the character that we see in rogue one at all. And even, it even takes him in rogue one to finally be like, all right, I'm going to do something bigger than all this. You know, I think we're seeing what is leading up to that, but it's, I mean, he, he just goes and he's, he goes to basically like star Wars, Miami, and is just like <laughs> living on the beach and stuff. Like, you know, I don't know, I guess, um, were there the sand troopers? Is that, is that new or have they shown up in anything before? Uh, Nick Fry, do you have you seen these short troopers before? That's I think that short troopers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean they 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 have a striking resemblance to the um to the sand troopers from A New Hope, but like obviously it's earlier on. But they're in Rogue One. Hmm. They're in Rogue One, and they're also in um. This I did not know. I remember them in Rogue One, and I, it says here they're in. I don't remember this. If you guys do, please let me know. They're in Chapter Fifteen of the Mandalorian, which is the Believer, which I believe is the one right before the rescue mission. I do not remember that at all. Yeah, I think that's like it might be. A, they might be at the Imperial base that May fell in Mando and uh, invaded. Went under cover. Yeah, so like. Yeah. They're there. But they are in Rogue One. They're the, they're the shore troopers that fight on Scarif. And I, I love this planet because it's like, we haven't seen a beach world in Star Wars yet except Scarif. And Scarif is Imperial occupied and just a base, really. So it's just not, you can't really see like the surfer dudes of the Star Wars world now. And we yep. finally got aliens now. Yep. Stuff like that. We're finally getting like stuff that you've never seen before in Star Wars. Again, that we're seeing for the first time. Yeah, absolutely here. And we do see that this is basically like the. Like I'm gonna take my money and go retire up, go find a private island, disappear. Like he tries that approach, and then we see that he's minding his own business. He's going, he's just wandering around on the beach, and then like a bunch of like like reb like they're the empire imperial people are called them like rebel like miscreants or sort of running around causing trouble. Cassian says, "Oh, I shouldn't be seen here," so he starts to slink away. He gets caught by a shore trooper, and then 
We see Pete. We see, like, these Imperial security droids come out here, the ones that look like K2SO. Like, for a second there, I thought, like, oh, they lied to us. K2SO is here. And then we hear the voice, like, nope, not him yet. But I did think it was cool they did pull that. Yeah, it's a nice little, uh, I don't want to say call back because it's technically before, but um, it's a nice little call to those droids. Just a familiar face, if you will. It's not necessarily a cameo, but it's something that you that you recognize if you watch Rogue One. Um, I don't know. Just seemed like Cassian just wanted to retire, and uh, they wouldn't let him. Yeah, they wouldn't let him. And Nick Fred, it was sort of end year where Cassian's story, where like he gets arrested by these guys, and then he's at basically the kangaroo court they have set up for all these like people are rounding up, and then he's telling like, "Oh, I was just a tourist. I was like just trying to like stay out of trouble." And she's like. And that, like, judge who really doesn't care, really give a crap what's going on there, she's like, oh, you know, you have bad timing. Like, oh, this would have been six months about a week ago. Now it's six years in prison. So, like, this is a really yeah. messed up way for him to end the episode. Yeah. Um, so, first off <clears throat> was, um, oh, what was I going to say here? Oh, do you think it's possible? I think when we finally meet K2SO, assuming he's not reprogrammed because in Rogue One, they mentioned that he's a reprogrammed Imperial droid. I don't think it's going to be Alan Tudyk's voice until he's reprogrammed. That'd be crazy to me that he sounded like that, but he was still a bad guy. Yeah. So I think it's not that that droid was K2SO, but I think it's possible that one of those droids could be him. And then once he's reprogrammed, he sounds the way we know him. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, I don't think that one was him because the coloring on like his shoulder is orange and that one was red. So I don't think that was him anyway, but I do think it's possible that we could see him before knowing it's him. And that court that you mentioned, does that not remind you exactly of um, the court in The Dark Knight Rises? Yes, yeah, so that's, that's what I was referring to. Yeah, it sounds just like, the, just like that when they send the people on the ice and stuff. But bad timing, you're right. And now he goes to prison with the six years. So you know he doesn't spend six years in prison because six years from now is like in between A New Hope and Empire. So we know he's not spending six years. So two questions. A, how does he get out? And B, who does he meet in prison that either helps him get out or help him with something else? Because he could meet someone in prison, let's say Jim with two M's. (laughs) And then Jim teaches him a valuable lesson. And then when he gets out of prison, he uses that lesson. Or he could meet someone like Saw in prison, not necessarily Saw, but someone like Saw, who helps him get out of prison. So it could be someone who helps him. Or someone who he learns a valuable lesson from when he gets out and remembers it. And then the, value, the person who gets the valuable lesson dies. Yeah, something like that. Or, the per- or he can't get out. Like, you know, he's leaving at the last second and the door closes and he's stuck in the prison. Like what happened with Han and and um, and uh, Kiara in the beginning of uh, Solo. Yeah. Yeah, I want to put a pin in that one. I feel like that's something we're going to discuss in the predictions here. I feel like that's a very key thing that we're all going to be talking about next week because we're assuming he's not going to spend the next two hours in prison. I think we should put that a pin in that, uh, Nick, before I save that till the end of the show. Yep, and the only other thing I have to say in this episode is that before we get into like you know the the, the wrap up stuff is this is supposed to be the show we mentioned they have four three episode arcs now that's first of all that's not true the first two were three episode arcs this is a standalone the next is a two episode arc and then a three to close it so this one is on its own based that's just based on directors I could see because this, I could see I could see this being sort of you know like the like. It is standalone-ish, but, like, it's sort of, like, just, like, okay, like, a lot of stuff here, we had a lot of stuff overflowing from six. We got to tie a bunch of bows, and then, like, we're going to use this sort of spring into our two-episode story, and then we're going to do a big three for the finale. Yeah, exactly. All right, so 
A little pin in that here. Now let's get to some of the stuff we do every week at the end of the podcast. We're going to go into all of our fun trackers and things. And Nick D, are you aware of the character draft? What's going on right now? Yes, and I think it's still zeros across the board. I'm pretty sure. Yep, it is all zeros across the board here. The graphics not loading for me on my end right now, so I'll edit them in post for the video audience here. But right, just refresh on the teens. I have Bail Organic, C3PO, and Krennic. Nick got mentioned to Palpatine, but no physical appearance of him. General Draven, Ahsoka, Pete, uh, Jyn Erso, Harrison, Dula, and Asian Callus of the ISB. So I think there's still we all still have paths to get points here. Nick is here's the closest because he's got he got his guy mentioned twice in this episode. I, I think the only character that has a chance to show up is Palpatine. I don't think anyone else has a chance, and I think Palpatine's chances are very slim. I still think that Pete and I have each other shot with our ISB people, because I feel like they're bringing more people into the ISB by the week. That is true. I never would have thought they would bring in anyone, to be honest, and they did bring in someone. Yeah, they Which, by the way, I don't think he even looks like him. No, I think like they just sort of... I think the, the Rebels version, I think he kind of does. A little bit. Yeah, because they went on the Rebels timeline, because he should show up there. He looks similar to that. All right, let's now let's go ahead here to all our trackers here. Uh... Nick D, no Hondo yet again. I think, as I've said throughout the season, he's not going to be in the show. No, but I, I'm every time I see a new episode of something Star Wars announced because of you guys, I'm like, all right, when is Hondo showing up? Is, is there a chance of Hondo being in this? Absolutely here. Uh, Nick Frietta here. No MA cameos yet. That should be changing soon. Whenever Saw shows up, I think we're going to bump that tracker to at least one. Yeah, maybe Saw shows up with somebody too or, you know, Maybe that's their idea. We show you that they're going to have one guy, so you know you're expecting it. But then we throw someone else at you when you're not expecting it. Maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Here and Pete, the live action tracker got one this week because Colonel Yularen is in, originally appeared in A New Hope, so he is on. We have got one on the board here. At least we got one. I was very concerned that this whole show we weren't going to get any of our trackers. Um, but yeah, we got one. We we did get one here. I want to throw one out to the panel here. Do we count clone troopers in the live action cameos here? Because they just showed up in the flashback. I would say if it was an individual trooper, yes, but a series of troopers, no. Yeah, so Pete, you yeah. you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. I think if it's not like Captain Rex or someone individual that you can't really throw, because there's clone troopers and stormtroopers all over the place throughout Star Wars, so. All right, that's that one there. So that's on the board here. Next up here, we're going to go to. The planet tracker. We have seven flies there, uh, Nick D. Now because Niamo, so you got our beach planet. Right. That was the only new one, right? Was That's the, the was Yo, only new one. Space Miami. Yeah. Yeah. Space Miami is as uh, he calls it. <laughs> That's a cool planet. I, yeah. That is one of my favorite planets. I love it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun here. Classic line. We got an allusion to a classic line because Luffy's speech sort of like mimics the speech that Leia gives to Tarkin in Episode Four. But I don't think we can actually count it. It's not the same line. Yeah, I think if it's not like the exact same line, it doesn't really hit. All right. And Nick D, uh, I mean, Nick F, we sort of wrap up here with the Andor kill count still at four. You're not killing one, but he got arrested. Uh, I would imagine he's going to break out of prison, right? He has to. Yeah. Unless some, for whatever reason, someone named Karn clears his name. But I would imagine that doesn't happen. I imagine he breaks out of prison. And if he breaks out of prison, I can't imagine him getting out without killing one, well, at least one person, right? Yeah, you would think. Yeah, or maybe that, maybe that, maybe that is a good idea. Maybe Harn does clear his name. 
That could be one. When he starts working for the Empire, starts realizing this is not good, this isn't for me, maybe Cassian was right, I'm going to clear his name and help him out and join this rebellion. Absolutely. Change my, change my name to Bail Organa, and there you go. All right, well, there's, that's there we have here. Those are the trackers here. Now I'll go to the MVP, LVP board. These are the MVP and best and worst characters of the season so far. We'll start at the top. Andor, seven, plus seven. Luthen, plus four. Sinta, plus three. The plus twos are Mon Moth and Lieutenant Gorn. Plus ones, Marva and Nemec, thanks to your brother Nick last week. Fix the dividing line at zero. Negative one, group of four. The two Stooges, Gorn's Lackeys from episode four. Uh, Blevin and Vel. And Skeen, actually, there's five in this group. Then in the negative twos, we have a group of four here. Lita, Perrin, uh, the Mon Moth family. Tim with two M's and Commandant B had him last week. And bring up the rear, Nick D, former Deputy Inspector Karn, negative seven. you think anybody catches him this season? I don't know, but you know what? The only way somebody's catching him is if Karn has a complete turnaround in his character arc and gets some pluses added to him at some point, but probably I, not. I see it coming. I really see it coming. I, I, I'm not, not, spoiler, I'm not giving him my MVP, but I, I think he's getting some MVPs coming forward. I really do. Well, he's got five episodes left to get MVPs if he doesn't get any today. So, Nick D, as our guest, give me your first MVP. Your MVP first. So, I my first MVP, um, or my only MVP because there's only one. Uh, what's her name again? Miro? Supervisor Miro. What was her first name? Deidre? Deidre. Deidre. I, I give her the MVP for this one. Uh, just that whole scene where she gets called out and she's like – she was just, she was ready for it. She was ready to get called out. She had everything in line and, you know, she's, she's the enemy. And I still found myself being like, yeah, yeah. You tell him you got this, you know? So I give her the MVP for that. Plus she did crack the code of the rebels. Yeah. Yeah. So I think she deserves it. I'm going to give one to Mon Mothma this week. I feel like she took the appropriate lesson from Luthen in terms of how like the rebels operating and she managed to secure an ally to help her access her money and, Hey, Kalma, she does it in this party full of uh, Imperial sympathizing senators and manages to slip by unnoticed. She's coaching Tay Kalma through the whole interaction here. She learns a good lesson here, and she she applies it well. So I'll give Mon Moffat the MVP. So, Pete, where are you going with your MVP? I'm giving my MVP to Luthen. I think he really knocks it out of the park in that scene. Like I said, I think it's the most powerful scene of the whole episode. Um, he's the driving force of, of that robbery. He's the driving force of this rebellion, no matter how big a part, little part Mon Mothma is supposedly playing. So I'm giving him the point. Uh, Nick Freya to wrap us up on the MVPs. So we have an interesting development here. Okay. I was torn between three people and I was going to see which one you guys said to make my decision. You each said one. (laughs) So I'm going to do a random number generator and whatever comes up, that's who it's going to be. So it landed on uh, Mon Mothma. So Mike, that's why with everything you said, that's why. All right, so Team Mon Mappa is is getting a bump. Yeah, Team Mon I, I really I would have given a point to all three if I had three. Don't have three, I have one, so I'm going with just her. All right, the LVP section here. This is going to be some fun. I think we have some interesting candidates on the board here. I'll start this one off here. I'm going to give one to, to uh, Nick's pal Blevin because I feel like <laughs> he came out of that meeting so smug, like, I caught Deidre in the act. She's trying to subvert our, our jobs here. And watching that smile just disappear from his face over the course of being is so satisfying. He's like, oh, man, I screwed up very badly. And 
like he is the literally the most smug Imperial officer there, and he got his ass handed to him by Deidre in this meeting. So Blevin LVP for me. Uh, Pete, who's your LVP? My LVP is Mon Mothma. She is a Imperial senator who has a ton of money with zero backing, is taking orders from some guy who's posing as a shop owner and pretty much is getting threatened by him saying, you need to get us that money. People are going to die in this belt. Like it, it's not, not a great look. I don't think she's a very strong character right now. She was strong in the first, let's call it four episodes, five episodes. This episode is, is a weak one for her. She's alone. I think she's grasping for straws. I think you can see she is hiding behind a facade of, you know, the whole, you know, I'm, they see a stone, but I'm going to be coming at them with the knife. Like, I think that's a facade. I think she's trying to overcompensate for how scared she is. So she gets the LVP. Uh, Nick Ferreira, your LVP. My LVP. I wanted to give it to Bix for just like letting Cassian walk away and clearly being upset about it and not being upset enough to stop him when she should have stopped him because he's been a good person to her. But I'm going to give it to Blevin. I just don't see a character that was worse than him in this one. You're right. He, he had him, he had his ass handed to him and that's, you know, too bad for him. Yep. Jerry and Nick D. I know you told me off. I got an interesting choice to go here for the LVP. Might be a little controversial. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually going to give the LVP to, to Cassian, to Andor. Uh, I think he did everything wrong in this episode. I think he doesn't, doesn't realize the result of his actions. The reason why Bix and everybody doesn't want him around is because he left and they have to deal with the fallout of it. Now, you know, his, he, he wants his mother to come with him. She doesn't want to, he goes to space Miami and he gets arrested. He just, I think he was written to kind of, you know, fall a little bit and to the show's credit, he did. So that's why I give him my LVP this week. I, I did think about the LVP. I like it. I just like I felt like Blevin just like came in on such a high. I had to knock him down a peg because it felt like he came in so smug. Yeah, yeah. All right, so that's the L- MVP LVPs here. Let's start with the crazy episodes. We're going a scale of of one to ten. One is this is worse than the word that's a book of Boba Fett. Ten. This is the pinnacle of Star Wars entertainment here. Pete, you want to start the grades? Yeah, um, like I said earlier in the show, I think this season of Andor has been a lot is happening, but not a lot is happening at the same time. I actually am going to rank this higher than last episode and give it a seven um, because a lot is being set up here. However, I'm really hoping that it doesn't fall flat. I, I, I really hope that they take these arcs and how they're developing and really pull them into a a really, really good arc and something that actually means something to me last episode was such a letdown compared to how they built it up. So I'm hoping that this build up, which I think has been the best episode so far, because you, you like, you know, um, like one of the Knicks was saying, I don't remember if it was Fred or, or uh, recovery room, Nick, um, you know, the characters ready. So you can start to pick and choose, okay, this is the story, this is the arc, this is the arc, this is the arc, and you can actually get a lot of good content out of it. But the episode is not like a 10 because nothing really happens. You're just talking about what's going to happen maybe in the future. So seven, I think it's better than the last episode, which may be controversial, Um, but that's what I'm going with. Uh, Nick, Friday, your grade. 
Pete, I do not think it's controversial that it was better. I think this is the best episode of the show, and I am going to give this show's first 10. Wow. Ooh, wow. I think this episode was perfect. I this is what I wanted. This is what I've wanted in a Star Wars show since Star Wars has decided to make shows. This is what exactly what I wanted. It was the political mumblings throughout the show, and you have that that oversensing. Is that I don't even know if that's a word. Over that 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 feeling of there's something bigger out there. Palpatine. She's talking to her friend in the party, and you know that like I can't speak too loud because. This empire is ruthless. And then you start to see the empire get ruthless. The emperor pretty much himself said, all arms go. You have all military, you have all naval, all army, you have all, you have all the equipment at your disposal. Find these people. And I feel like it just ramped up huge. And this is exactly what I've wanted in a Star Wars show forever. The only thing that would have made it better is if we saw, you know, the Senate happening, like the emperor himself and stuff like that. But that's a small price to pay. Uh, Nick D, your grade. So, I'm trying to think on your guys' scale, five is like average, solid, right? Yeah. And for unlike my personal scale, I'd say that's a seven. So, after doing crunching some you know mathematical equations here, I would give it an eight because I think that this is the best episode since maybe three. I agree. I think six's payoff wasn't as good as we'd like, but I just think uh, like this this. I know Pete, you've recently been watching Game of Thrones, and this this kind of makes me feel similar to how I did when I was watching that show, where it's just it's well written, it's it's actually good acting. You know, watch any scene from Boba Fett, and then watch any scene from this, and it's oh my god, it's it's night and day the acting and just the writing, and there's so many plots going on, separate things going on, but it all is cohesive. And I think this episode was a perfect example of how that works. So I give it an eight. I give it a nine. It's my highest grade of the season. I think my one complaint is I think the Karn stuff did not add much to the episode. I think that when we, in fact, we started with Karn and ended with Karn, I don't think was representing what the whole episode was in a sense because the stuff with Luthen was great. The Mon Mothma stuff was good. Cassian stuff made sense. Like the thing that bothered me was like the Karn stuff was like fluff that we didn't need in this episode because like we could have checked in with Karn next week and not had a big deal. I think like starting with him, I think sort of, all the tone of the episode for me a little bit. I think give it a nine. I think other than that, it was a great episode. I'm excited to see what Khan's up to or what he's about to be up to rather. Yeah. It's not the place of his stuff. And there's sort of like the, like, it was not like this, that he, we start with him and we end with him. It felt weird. We certain like everything in the middle seemed much more important than what we have with Karn. And with that, we go on to our final topic of the week here. Predictions for next week. Uh, Nick Freyda, you want to lead us off here? Um, so I'll, 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 I'll go off of what I said here. I mean, excuse me. I'm going to go with the opposite of what I usually say here. There will not be a Bosk sighting next episode. <laughs> there will be no Bosk. I think we're going to see Cassian in prison. I think he, my guess is instead of getting broken out by somebody like Saul, I think he's going to meet someone in prison. So I think he's going to meet some guy. I have no idea who it could be who teaches him a valuable lesson. And I think, I don't know, did you, I mean, this is a prediction, so we'll see when you come, but I'm going to predict that he does not get out of prison next episode. He'll get out in the following episode. All right. So, so you think he's stuck in prison this episode? I think he's stuck, learns some lessons, plan an escape. The following episode executes the escape. And that's the end of your two episode arc. 
Uh, Nick D, your prediction. Uh, so I also think it's leading up to some type of prison escape. Um, I think his sister's going to get the prison blueprints tattooed on her and she's going to intentionally, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, prison break reference. If anybody sure. got that, um, uh, I, I think it's going to lead to a prison break of some type. Um, I'm honestly not sure where this is going. I don't know if I think Vel and Cyril, and I think, I think they have their own ways of trying to get to Cassian. And I think it's all going to kind of happen at the same time. And I'm not sure who's going to help him, who's going to be against him, but I think it's leading up to some type of prison break. And I also think he's going to meet somebody in prison, whether it's saw or an unnamed character, he's going to meet somebody important. That's going to teach him a lot. And then somehow he's getting out of there. All right, I'll take my next prediction here. I think we're going to have some, obviously, some fun in the prison scene because I think he meets one of Saw's partisans in prison, and I think they break out in the episode. I think that we're going to end up at nine to be where he meets Saw. I think the, the breakout happens here towards the end of the episode where they work together, get out, and the guy brings him to Saw. I think I'm gonna also going to add a note here on the other storylines going on here. I think we're going to get more like, drama out of the ISB next week. I'm going to stick again here. I'm going to say that Peter, I get a point. I think one of our guys shows up here at the ISB to help out Deidre in her investigation. No way. No way. You just, you're just desperate for a Funko Pop. I'm, de- I'm telling you, we're, like, we have so much ISB. We have two ISB characters in the draft. Not a one has been has appeared yet. And we also, we've also mentioned my character six times in this episode alone. Yes, yeah, so I'll, I'll just call ISB development where Deidre's investigation takes a big step forward. And that is well here. And Pete, your last number is where you want to go. I don't know. I feel like everyone's pretty much said what probably is going to happen. You know, jail for a couple episodes. Um, I, I really don't know. I, I'm very, very lost as to what to predict here. Um, I think we get more that maybe this wasn't said we're going to get more Ferrick stuff. I think we're going to get more of that rebellion starting. I think maybe Bix and the mom talk a little bit um, and they kind of team up. But uh, other than that in the jail, I really don't know what to expect. Yeah, I do think that I, one thing I, I forgot to mention earlier that Nick probably made a good point about the names like being very like, deliberate here like the, the like the bureau of standards being bs like uh cassie's droid be, being named b2e mo i think is also very on the nose you think cat you think cassie's email no cassie's droid being too emo it, 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 oh yeah i mean the way he acts you know yeah so that's it for the week here so we're gonna be back next week for episode eight kick off another storyline here i think here so Nick D, thank you for coming on the recap. I really appreciate it. People want to check out some of your stuff on Twitch. How do they do that? Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so go to twitch.tv slash the recovery room. And then uh, if you're watching the video version at recovery room 90, that's my Twitter. Uh, right now I'm streaming through 2018's God of War because the sequel is coming out very soon. And then also for, you know, October spooky games, I'm going to play uh, Little Nightmares 1 and 2. So, all right. Yeah, like three weeks for God of War, I think. Three weeks, I think. Yeah, it's coming soon. Absolutely here. A lot of fun. Pete, people want to follow you on social media. How can you do that? At PJ Contadori29, retweeting a bunch of this stuff. Star Wars, obviously, hockey season's in full swing. Uh, Rangers are doing pretty good. They're looking promising. So, definitely give me a follow there. Yeah, as our good friend Will Schneiderhand says, the Rangers might be a wagon this year, Pete. 
listen, they're they're looking really good. It's only been like three games, four games, so I'm not uh, going to be overly optimistic, but we'll see how the season goes. Absolutely. You're Nick. If you want to follow you on social media, Nick Fry, how can they do that? Uh, at Nick Fry underscore nine on Twitter, and I'm retweeting a lot of stuff here, and you can also find the link there for all of our stuff. And from what I hear, the Rangers window is open. It is wide open. So what better time than now? A better time now, indeed. You also follow me on Twitter, mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. Coming up this week on the Just on the Suffering podcast, doing some baseball talk. I had a Yankee ALCS preview with Dan Federico on the podcast. Also, I had Nick Ferreira was on the podcast. It NBA over-unders. That's out now. I actually took all those over-unders individually that me and you both did, and then I put together four of them in a parlay. So we'll hopefully we'll revisit in the end of April and we'll have some money. Yeah, that will definitely be good to have some money there. And also, we're going to do NFL picks coming later this week. Uh, Nick, our friend Justin Diaz is going to be on the picks this week. Yeah, well, when it comes to the picks, Mike, I'll tell you this right now. There's nothing more fishy in the world than that Giants line, and I hope neither of you take it because – I'm terrified. Vegas, do- Vegas doesn't lose. There's something going on there. I'm terrified of that line. I'm going nowhere near it. Uh, yeah, I would not go anywhere near that. What's the spread on it right now? Jaguars. It's Jacksonville minus three. I when I predicted the line, which I do each week, I predict all the lines, and then I see what they are. I my I said Giants minus three. I'm six points off. I I was within one point on every other line. Yeah, hmm. and I was six points off on that line. I they know something we don't. Yeah, they do know something we don't. And that's all for this week on the Sky Guides podcast. We'll be back next week for episode eight of this thing. We are going to be two-thirds of the way through Andor at that point. But until then, may the force be with you.